Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives, March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio. Congressman Sam Graves recently took the helm of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And the Republican from Tarkio says the move could be beneficial to the sprawling 6th Congressional District and the state at large. Graves spoke with me earlier this week about his goals as chairman and how he plans to navigate a divided Congress. Here's my conversation with Congressman Sam Graves. So I think that a big question for a lot of Missourians is how will their lives improve or what will they see by virtue of you being chairman of the transportation committee? Well, I mean, we have jurisdiction over every mode of transportation out there, whether that's, you know, roads and bridges, um, you know, highways, um, pipelines, rail, um, inland or our uh, waterways, ports, um, aviation, you name it, er, you know, every mode of transportation out there. So obviously it's going to give um, the district in the state of Missouri more influence when it comes to grants and, and dollars for those different projects, whether that's through the WERDA bill, which is the water resources bill, deals with um, sewer systems in our communities, uh, drinking water systems. It deals with our locks and dams on the uh, on the Mississippi. It deals with how the Missouri River is being managed or straight up like the uh, um, the FAA reauthorization we're going to be doing, uh, which deals with uh, with aviation and our airports and the and the money that our airports are able to uh, uh, to receive, you know, or or when we do pipeline safety and the pipelines that come through uh, the state of Missouri. So I'm going to be working with uh, the administration, um, the governor's office, obviously, and and the legislature to do everything we can to maximize those dollars coming back to the state. I'm glad you mentioned the governor's office. I know that you. When you ran for Congress in the 2000s, you wanted to get as far away from Jefferson City as humanly possible. But um, the governor announced in his state of the state speech that he wants to devote $900 million to widen parts of I-70. And I think uh, an obvious question for people like me is, could there be some federal help to push this project beyond Kansas City, Columbia and St. Louis? I'd be interested in your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. And the governor called me um, almost a month ago now to visit with me about that project. And, and he had mentioned that he was going to put that in his uh, state of the uh, state of the state address. And I'm absolutely going to do everything I can. And the interstate system is a it's a, obviously the federal system. It's the uh, the federal network. There's a lot of federal dollars that, uh, that that go into that. There's a lot of grant dollars and there's also a lot of matching dollars. So we're in the process right now of looking into every avenue we can possibly find to be able to find dollars to uh, to make I-70 um, more safe, uh, to add those lanes. We all know how, um, how busy I-70 can get. If you're traveling back and forth between Kansas City or St. Louis or going to Columbia, the University of Missouri, whatever the case may be, um, and then all that traffic that's going across the country, you know, funnels right through uh, I-70. And so we want to make it safe. And and we've been talking about widening I-70 for years in the state of Missouri. And, and it looks like the governor is really um, getting behind it. And he's obviously putting money, uh, you know, where uh, uh, where it needs to be. You know, one of the things I noticed when on social media, when that was announced, was there were some people primarily on the left who were like, 
900 million dollars for a highway that seems kind of like a misplaced priority compared to doing like public transit or something like that and i would imagine you hear some of that discourse on the transportation committee from some of your democratic colleagues that where they want to prioritize things like money for public transit rather than highways what's kind of going to be your philosophy as chairman when you when that discourse comes to bear in your committee well you've got two different silos you've got uh you've got mass transit public transit uh, dollars and and uh, that's what they go towards and then you got highway dollars and and dollars specifically um, earmarked for uh, the interstate um, the interstate system and so you know those are two completely different silos and and that's just part of the uh, part of the process um, traveling across this country or, or using I seventy or using I eighty or whatever that the big interstates are that go from east to west. Um, those are heavy priorities for both, not only for just people, but for everything uh, that moves, all the products that move. And, and, you know, eventually it may go by train or it may go by plane, but sooner or later, it's got to go by truck. It's got to get to to the uh, uh, to the end user by a by a truck. And that's down our highways. And we want to make sure that those are uh, as safe as uh, as they can be. So there's different dollars. There's different silos of dollars. And, and uh, to be quite honest with you, um, public transit gets a lot of money uh, from the uh, from the federal government. And we need to make sure that we have uh, other priorities as well. So I was obviously watching the speaker's election with great interest, not only because it was kind of unusual, but because one of the subplots was that a number of members of your caucus want to reduce federal governmental spending, which I'm sure you share philosophically. But I think that the obvious follow up question is, what sort of spending do you reduce? And if like some members of your caucus want to reduce transportation spending writ large, what is going to be the reaction from you and the other Republican members of your committee? Well, the thing about transportation is we they, we have still have true trust funds in transportation, whether that's the highway trust fund. We've got the inland waterways trust fund. We got the harbor maintenance trust fund. We got the aviation trust fund. Those are all trust funds that are funded through user fees. And those dollars are specifically to go to, for instance, the Highway Trust Fund is, is to fund our uh, our surface transportation reauthorization that we do uh, every four to five years. The problem we get into is, for instance, with the infrastructure bill that that the uh, uh, that the president rammed through, um, it didn't stay within the bookmarks of what those dollars are. It went way outside, and we're borrowing money from uh, from general revenue. And so, if that's you know if that's the case, or people are talking about, we do need to get back uh, inside our means, pay as you go. It's always been that way in in transportation. It's always funded itself, and and again, it's a user fee. Um, it's a user fee program. So we we've got to start staying within the bounds. So we went from. Normally, we spend on a highway trust fund somewhere around 300 to 400 billion dollars um, on a reauthorization. And what this did was it not only did that, but it went way beyond to 1.2 trillion dollars and it threw everything in there. You know, it isn't just highways anymore. Now it's it's you name it They're You know, they've got money in there and it's not paid for. That's the problem. They've got money in there for for everything. So we need to go back to what we have always done uh, under transportation and quit borrowing uh, so much money and putting that burden on the backs of our uh, on the backs of our children. I guess the issue is if you wanted to keep the amount of money but have it paid for, you would have to raise user fees. You would have to raise things like gas and diesel taxes, which I'm sure a lot of people don't really want right now with gas prices really high. So how do you like 
maneuver through this desire to have make sure everything is paid for without making it too burdensome for everyday consumers, but also like truck drivers that, you know, depend on fuel prices being stable in order to make a living? Well, the biggest problem we have right now isn't isn't what the rate of the uh, user fees are. It's that we have so many vehicles on the road that aren't paying for it. Electric vehicles, um, any alternative fuel vehicle, um, for instance, uh, you know, whether it's uh, propane uh, vehicles or, you know, what we're looking at now, one of the new technologies, hydrogen. Um, but those vehicles are not paying for uh, the use of the road. And we need to be recovering those dollars because those vehicles, whether it's a truck, an electric truck, for instance, or an electric car or whatever, um, they are not paying for the use of that road. And so we're not, we're losing a lot of revenue um, through that. So we have to make sure that everybody is is paying their share in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the use of those roads. And, and so that's where we're going to concentrate first. I think a, every question that like a Republican House committee chairman is going to be asked over the next two years is, how are you going to be able to advance your principles when the Democrats control the Senate and the White House and you have a fairly narrow House majority? Um, but I think it, the interesting thing is like transportation does seem to have some bipartisan agreement on a lot of things. You saw that with the infrastructure bill. You see that in Jefferson City. Is this one area where you think that maybe some of the divided Congress could end up be broken, be, you know, transcended? Or do you still see disagreements between the two parties on this general policy area? A lot of that depends on the issue itself, but the Transportation Committee in the House, at least, um, has always, for lack of a better word, traditionally been a very bipartisan uh, bipartisan committee. So, in the in, and to be honest with you, too, the, the infrastructure bill um, that the Democrats passed out of the House was extraordinarily partisan. Um, in fact, there was no input in there from Republicans, which ultimately, once it went to the Senate, they just dropped it. And they just worked on their bill, and, and then the House was um, voted on the Senate version with no House input whatsoever because it was so partisan. We will go back, and I have, um, that's one of my absolute goals is to go back to that bipartisan tradition. We work with other members, and, and we're going to be a work committee. We're not going to be a show committee. You know, we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to have all the cameras in there and doing all of the the uh, the fanfare like oversight or judiciary is going to be doing. We're going to have to be putting our, um, you know, we're going to have to get these reauthorizations done. And, and you do that by you have a better product when you work with both sides, when you, you know, ask for that input, you know, give me your ideas. Let's come to a compromise. Let's figure out what the middle ground is. Let's find out where we agree first and we start working on the little bit harder stuff. And then we work on the hardest stuff. And I learned that when I was chairman of small business we put together uh, a reauthorization of a program called the SBIR, the Small Business Innovative Research Program, which had not been renewed in over a decade. And I worked with Mary Landrieu at the time. That was when the Republicans controlled the House, Democrats controlled the Senate, and she was the chairman, my uh, counterpart in the Senate. We got together. We got the easy stuff out of the way first, and then we worked on the harder stuff. And then the the I think it came down to about four um, programs in the end that that we finally found an agreement on. We got the program uh, renewed, and now it's going on to help small businesses all over the country. So that's how you get things done: is you just work with people and and uh, you know and and get that input, get those ideas out there. What's your relationship like with Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg? And how do you think he's been doing so far? 
we talked quite a little bit. Um, he's very accessible. Um, for instance, when we had the uh, meltdown with the NOTAM uh, issue with, and we had to shut down flights uh, for two hours here in the United States, uh, I actually got a call from the secretary about seven o'clock in the morning explaining to me what was going on. Then he called me back um, about an hour and a half later uh, to give me an update of what was going on. So he's very accessible, very, um, very approachable. Um, easy to talk to. So um, he's uh, he's been very good from that standpoint as far as secretary goes. And my last question for you, have you talked with President Biden about what his transportation and infrastructure priorities are for the next couple of years? And what do you foresee your your ability to work with him, given that we're about to enter, enter a very highly politically charged environment with the presidential election? And the aforementioned uh, divided Congress? Um, I have not talked to the president yet on what his priorities are for um, for uh, transportation. Um, that'll probably come here in another you know month or two. Um, we are going to be doing oversight on the, the dollars that are going out in the infrastructure bill. Um, when you're pushing $1.2 trillion out as fast as the administration is trying to push it out, there's potential for a lot of waste and abuse. Uh, in that process. So we're going to be doing a lot of oversight to make sure that the dollars are going where they're supposed to go and that agencies aren't rewriting the law um, through their rulemaking authority. So um, I'm sure I'll be talking to the president about that too, our oversight objectives and, and what we're looking to do in the, uh, at least on the house transportation side. And I'm sure that'll come. For more political coverage, go to stlpr.org. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. And thank you for listening to this conversation with Congressman Sam Graves. a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.